0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Happy to have you there for this edition of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network. It's LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Want
2: to want. They do you believe?
1: I was part of a conversation recently that included Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner, and Sparks' own Shanea Gumake. I can tell you from experience that the WNBA is in great hands with Kathy. I was thrilled to meet her. She is everything. She is awesome. She's exactly what the league needs, and she's going to be a wonderful voice as well. And she knows business. Before becoming the first commissioner of the WNBA, she had been with Deloitte for 33 years and became its first female CEO, a position she held from 2015 to 2019. The moderator for this conversation, a familiar voice to you, it is Hootie, the voice of the L.A. Sparks. He's going to pick it up now. Enjoy the show.
3: We're excited to have both of you here tonight to talk about the state of the league of course, the new CBA and um, the representation of women in media, sports media, and in business. So here we go. Alright, and then we're gonna we're also gonna open it up for a QA afterwards. So hang tight for that, that should be excited. Alright, Commissioner, you're up first. Now you worked for 33 years, we talked about at Deloitte, first female CEO. What brought you to the WNBA? What, what led you to take on that challenge after 33 years of working <laughs> on <out there? laughs> I
2: have to turn this on? Yes. Okay. Can you hear? Okay, okay. yeah. Um, and thank you for repping the WNBA hoodie right there in the middle of the room. Thank you very much. Um, that hoodie really has taken on significance because when Kobe Bryant came to see me at the NBA offices to talk about girls' basketball women's basketball in the WNBA and his huge advocacy for it, I gave him one of those orange hoodies. And he actually wore courtside one on the last pictures of he and Gigi before the awful tragedy. So, obviously being here in L.A., being at the memorial service, as Janae was as well yesterday, we continue to send our condolences, but thanks for repping the hoodie in. The other day I was in the NBA store and they ran out of those hoodies and I knew this was in New York and I said, um, I didn't tell them who I was, I said, uh, you can get those hoodies back in, and, and the guy said, you mean the Gigi hoodie? just, like my heart, just, you know, the Gigi hoodie they're calling it at the FBA store. But anyway, thanks for wrapping. So we'll back to your question. Real quick, 33 years of business. I really wanted to do something different. Something where I would have a big women's leadership platform because I had been the chair of a not-for-profit called Catalyst, which is an organization. By the way, I was the first woman chair of that, and I hate to be the first of anything because I want it to be more than the norm and not a novelty when women go into these roles. But this is an organization that stands for, their motto is, workplaces that work for women work for everyone. And so really important to me that my next role would be Something And I actually thought I'd end up with a not-for-profit or an NGO or maybe a healthcare company. I had a life sciences and pharmaceutical background at Deloitte before I became the CEO. Um, And then I got a call from a former colleague of mine who's now works for the MBA and said, he said, I have the perfect job for you. Um, And actually called me for five straight months because I said, no, I'm a corporate person, I'm a business person, although I love the game, love the game. I am one of eight kids. Five brothers, we all played basketball in the back um, yard. My father was drafted by the Detroit Pistons in 1957. He was 6'6", accomplished basketball players for a university in Philadelphia called St. Joe's. The St. Joe's Hawks played for Jack Ramsey. Dr. Jack, who went on to be a basement Hall of Famer. So you might say you had a little bit of basketball DNA. Um, but
3: I also wanted something where I had a platform around them and, and boy, did I get it. <laughs> I didn't realize how big, but because you know, of amazing attitudes like sitting to my lap. Wow, so I, I this gives me an opportunity
2: to welcome you to the WNBA. even though <laughs> I'm a late. Seven months, seven months. But
3: i never had yeah, a chance to speak with you, so. But our next question is to both of you. So on January 14th, they announced the new CDA. Um, I know I was excited, and I know you guys were both very proud of that and the accomplishments. I'm wondering, and I know, Commissioner, you do usually you do a state of, the, state of the league address during finals, but now we've had this new CDA pop up. So where is this? What is the state of the league right now? and um, talk about some of the improvements that the CBA is, is bringing about. And as we get to our, can you believe this in 2021, will be the 25th year of the WNBA. So that's, that's the 25th year of the Sparks. Talk about some of the things, some of the challenges that you still have to meet as, the, as a league.
2: Yeah, so so first, uh, I came into the role the players opted out um, in October prior to. I came in in mid-July, mid-season. Um, four days later, we had our All-Star game yeah. in Vegas, which was highly successful. And I had asked a couple questions. What's the average tenure of a player in the WNBA? It was eight years. So I said, how many are college graduates? Like all of them. Um, I asked a lot of questions, and then I set off on a 12-city tour because... The a collective bargaining agreement, when I knew nothing about the league, I knew nothing, I mean, I was raising two kids and running a firm of 100,000 people, and I wasn't paying a lot of attention, shame on me. And and I knew after going on a 12-city tour that the state of the game on the court, never better. I'm sure, of it. as a former player myself, uh, I was so thrilled to have inherited such a strong state of the game on the court. The athleticism, the play, the pure form of the sport. Um, I met with fans and owners of every market and, and um, you know, from media, obviously, in every market. But I found one thing was really broken, and, what, and that was what I call the ecosystem around not just women's basketball, not the WNBA, but women's sports. And so as we were negotiating collective bargaining agreement, there, I mean, this is a wholesale transformation of everything um, except the play on the court. Big thumbs up. But everything else sales and marketing capability, media coverage, um, sponsorship, um, people stepping up to sponsor us. Um, you, you all probably, the media the individuals in the room, have all heard me say less than 1% of all corporate sponsorship dollars go to women's sports. Think about that less than 1%, less than 4% of all media coverage of sports covers women's sports. So we have this enormous platform now with a very successful CPA negotiation, which was hard, as chin knows. We worked a lot of hours. I said, when I was 25 working an all-nighter because one of my clients was filing an initial public offering, that was okay. When I'm 55, it's not okay to be pulling all-nighters. I'm tired. We got it done in January, and I couldn't be prouder of these players, and then stepping up to stand for Women and women in society—they are going to change this world, this society around how we get recognized. And the CBA booty really, is a—it's just a part of the platform now that these women have to go out and be leaders in sports, <coughs> leaders in society. Going into our 24th year, tipping off in May, and 25th year next year. And I've been pretty stunned at the lack of media coverage around women and women's sports. But when that CBA came out, guess what? Oh, yeah a lot of people real
4: Yeah, and I absolutely agree, because when the CBA came out, it was like, an amazing day. But I don't know if it was just you, or me, REC, our, our executive committee, which by the way, like, it's really interesting meeting our new commissioner, but we're not meeting. Like, she's on the other side of the table negotiating. That never happens. Like, to be in that position where we're fighting for the same thing, but also fighting for our, the business and fighting for the players, and I think <clears throat> that was the best way for us to collectively bond. Because it's like, forget everything else, forget the politics. We are all striving for the same thing. So the night before, in the and I remember my emotions. My emotions were, we were like, I was with Malaysia Claire, and my sister back in New York. We weren't always together, but you know, life and overseas. And so we were just like so anxious, so nervous, we're like, oh my goodness, which by the way, we had a great day at the big offices, but we're like, what are people gonna perceive this to be? This has been a work in progress for a year and a half, and this has been something that we've been passionate about getting done at the moment. Um, and then to see the next day, the groundswell of support, and how much it resonated in society, like, everyone has called it a groundbreaking CBA. And the more distance I get from the agreement and all the spectacular nature of what we accomplished, it's sort of like, I realized it wasn't groundbreaking, it was ground establishing. Mm -hmm. That's why it resonated, because for women to have an opportunity to get paid on maternity leave, why is that something novel? That's something that a lot of women, like, guess what, every woman in this country around the world could identify with. Women should be invested in, there should be more compensation, should be created to fill in those gaps. That's what made the CBA groundbreaking, but really the reason why it resonated is because we don't have those standards in society for women, period. And the only reason we got there, in my opinion, is because we had a commissioner, finally shout out to the first ever commissioner, which finally gives respect to the title and the true recognition that our game stands alone, itself, and is the best product. We finally have a commissioner that has the experience of leading people past those perceptions. Because, again, it was a novelty that she was the first female CEO at of Dubai, And that should not be the norm, right? But she, like, it's, I don't know if you guys can understand how bizarre. And a lot of people say, what are the wins in the CDA? The fact that we have a commissioner that is fighting the same fight and not fighting against us. Like, everyone says, what's your favorite part? Of course everyone wants to talk about the money. All about the money. Right. But, um. I think it was honestly the family planning benefits, just because I don't know if anyone other than her would understand and push that through. And that's something she pushed through at Deloitte, and it was just a non, like it was not even a thing. Some sort of the stuff that got agreed to in real, real time was hilarious, because all of a sudden we're like, damn, okay, we have this one what? If you told me two years ago that we would get, you know, family planning benefits for veterans, players in the league that have played to a certain point, that helps them with surrogacy, adoption, fertilization, and all those processes that we need out of, like, there's no way in him that we ever get that. Like, no way. We're just trying to get the money. We're just trying to get the standards of life up. But because we have that joint, I think this is a basketball DNA, and being a female, and also being a, someone that has disrupted the industry, and led, like, those, that's what made this ground establishing because that is what women deserve, period. So that process was really fun. It was shocking, it was emotional, but it is what we, the standard should be. It should not be the novelty, it should be the norm. Yeah, I'll just
2: add one thing. So
4: one of the tacks
2: I took of it is that we actually all had the same goals to lift these women, amazing athletes. But something from my prior life, I would attend these CEO round tables would be one of the only women in them, but I I was like a Fiercely curious person about everything evolving. And I'll never forget what I went to with a big big tech company, and the CEO got up on stage and said, the bull will win. Everything must change. So, you know what? I remember that when I came into the WNBA Yeah, I didn't know a lot about the teams and the players, and I didn't have enough time to build significant relationships. I'm a big believer in, you have know, to do some. Small things of symbolic value to build trust, and then you get the bigger things done. So, we approved a couple charter flights during the playoffs. Small things of uh, symbolic <laughs> That's value. That's a big thing. They told me it was a big thing, but small thing of symbolic value to build trust, so you get the big hard things done. And guess what? This is progressive, this is bold. The owners get a lot of credit because they have stepped up financially. Um, you know, it's not just me, it's the owners. Huge. Kudos to the ownership
3: for being bold. And you, today, you are talking about some of the process, a lot of the process. I was wondering if it's like a war <laughs> <entertainment>? room <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of back and forth. Oh <laughs> my gosh,
4: <goodness. laughs> we came I in for like ten spots. But so basically, the CBA process was—I've never been a part of something so crazy. So I talk about our executive committee. We have the most badass group of women. That reflected, like I don't know what the NBA. This is like putting LeBron James and James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then like maybe like a Kyle Kuzma that's at the front of the fringe, or like, you know what I mean? Like legends, people doing crazy different things. So like a quick way I'll run through it is my office. NECHISOM you know, in the house, NECA um, president. Cool. Myself, vice president, cool. Another Vice President, Lazy Clarendon, who I would say is the activist, because she's always at the forefront of the issues that matter to the, the women of the W. Reigning MVP, Elena Delacombe, on our executive committee. Sue Bird, need I say more, keeps Sue fresh, on our executive committee. Um, Elizabeth Williams, who was playing overseas, the only person that was always out of the country the entire process, but she's our secretary, so she, she was taking notes like she was not overseas, meeting 2 a.m., 5 a.m., 10 p.m., she was on these calls like she was in the U.S., but she was in Turkey. I asked, was she in Turkey? Yeah.
0: yeah, she was in Turkey. That's her right, age
4: too. <laughs> um, Carolyn Swartz, who the past few years has led the Rock the low charge for the WBA because her brothers work on Capitol Hill. Granted, Carol, y'all know Carolyn Swartz. She's like 6'7", like, you know what I mean? Like, you have that type of energy sitting across from the league, and that demanded a reaction, that demanded respect. And every person on the executive committee had a unique point of view that they shared. And we sort of, the, the CBA, all the revolutionary items happened in the WhatsApp group chat. So we'd be on calls with the League. And meanwhile, our group chat was not the well. No, we thought about the league and found the screenshots. We're like, ah. <laughs> I'll tell you behind the scenes about what on it was. It's hilarious. But um, so we would be on calls with the League, and we'd be giving real-time feedback. Someone say this. What do you think about that? And it was seven people that were representing the 144 amazing women of the W. And on every item, we were deliberating and then trying to find a common solution. And it was just, I've never been a part of a process like that. And it was amazing. Even to this day, we look back and we're like, you know how you sort of, like, you win a championship with a team and you're like, people go to separate ways? It sort of feels like we won a championship. And everyone's like, now going back to their own homes and all that stuff. But like that process. Brought us so close together, and um, so that was in real time. And the number one thing, the reason we got there is because of education. So we knew we couldn't step to the NBA, step to the league, without providing an answer to their problems or a, a solution that would present the players, which meant we had to get ahead of them. Because you can't, like, so literally, like, Sue Bird was, like, the anarchist. Not the anarchist, like, the, she was the one, like, y'all, think about be bold. She always gave the most bold stuff. She was the one being bold before it was cool to be bold for us. Like she was given some crazy like no 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 so we can't do that and then literally about in December before we agreed in January we had like a, a change I don't know if you noticed like we made a final push and they they met us all the way we made a push but that it was just that energy that everyone brought to the process it was group chat conversations it was educating like we had to find out we had to know the business of the WBA which no we had to know the business of the NBA we had to know what worked in the NBA CBA. Why did Anthony Davis? Why was he able to leave on this trade? How did this make this happen? Like, we had to you know, create, a, create a scenario. So like, pretty much any situation you see in the CBA, whether it comes to family planning, there's a player that inspired that. When it comes to travel accommodation, it's Brittany Griner having to travel in economy class. When it comes to compensation, it's Christy Tolliver who didn't get paid in the off season. You know, when it comes to like, every single thing, I can tell you there's a personal anecdote of a player that it spoke to, and that's why it was reflected. Because we had a diverse group of executive committee members. We had a diverse group of amazing women that are doing so many different things. And it was just like, I think overall we were just fed up. We're like, we got to step up. We got to do this. We got to speak our voices. And I do give a lot of credit to my sister because we were all crazy. And then Nneka brought us together and was like, this is our voice. And she was our one voice during that time. But... It was a fun process, I've never been a part of it. How I'll be a part of the <laughs> again. <laughs> but if, I, I'm impressed though, because our eight commissioners- years, yeah, for eight years. Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> right, You're, you're going to be a part
3: of it again. Yeah. Um, Commissioner, uh, one of, or two of the changes is the longer season and the Commissioner's Cup, yeah. which I read about as a little side, about how, is, how are those two things? And any other thing that you want to speak about and elevate the lead?
2: So we're really excited to be innovating around the game and the part of this was the player's idea to innovate around the game and and so we are introducing a special competition this year called the Commissioner's Cup so in case you don't know what it is we're going to be rolling that out um, shortly our draft by the way our next real tent pole for the WMBA is the draft in April and we'll tip off training camp and tip off in May. But starting with the very beginning of the season, we will designate 60 games as Commissioner Cup games, and the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference will play each other in in division, and those two teams that have the most points in the Eastern and Western Conference will play coming off our Olympic break. So I don't know if you all know, from July 13th to August 13th, we break to support not only our USAV team going for their seventh consecutive gold medal in Tokyo, uh, we are yeah. Uh, but also, we've got uh, 15 or 20 or so international players playing for Canada and Belgium and Australia and China and, and other teams because we're becoming global as well. We've seen the NBA become very global. The WNBA is there as well. So, we'll, we'll take that month off. And coming off that, we'll play the finals of the Commissioner Cup at a neutral site. Um, in, uh, in mid-August, coming right off, hopefully, the usa League Women's 7th uh, consecutive gold medal. So we're really excited to activate those in market. For instance, here in L.A., we're going to have a whole theme <coughs> around around um, women's representation for each of those Commissioner Cup games, and uh, we're going to have prize money for the players, um, but of course the hard part of this, by the way... Oh, for the announcers. The hard part is always we media rights around these uh, the cup we're going to do a, a weekly leaderboard around the cup we want it sponsored by a corporate if you can put your name in that corporation that could be the XYZ Commissioners Cup uh, It's going to be a, a big asset for us next year we're going to introduce a second special competition that will be a festival that fuses and this was the players idea of pop culture and music with basketball weekend of basketball and you know the number one most popular urban sport in the world, three on three basketball. Think about that, so that's exciting. It's actually an Olympic sport this year, so we're gonna take a look at how that goes in the Olympics. It's kind of like a, more of an outdoor festival, like if you've ever gone to beach volleyball, and play music and they dance, and that's so you know, that's what I it's, it's think it's gonna be like in the Olympics. And, We'll have WNBA players, obviously, uh, all WNBA players for the U.S.A.B. team, as well as, hopefully, for the 3v3 team when we're in Tokyo competing. So lots of momentum. Um, I've been talking about this like moment in women's sports and this momentum around the WNBA, but, um, this women's empowerment movement, and to take advantage of that through whether it's innovating around the game. We are going to a slightly longer season with 36 games, 18 home games for each market, so sparks for those season ticket holders, let's go, 18 games, is going to be exciting, we've got super teams, we have an amazing free agency system this year coming off the CBA, lots of excitement, in fact, you know, I was talking with ESPN, and they're like, you need your Woj, anybody who follows the NBA know Woj breaks everything around free agency and trades, and and I was, I was at the NBA All-Star game with ESPN, and they're like, we're going to text Woj, he's going to be your Woj, Woj will be the WNBA Woj, um, you know, but anyway, exciting, exciting time. Yes. And speaking
3: of free agency, this has been a crazy off season. I'm just thinking about like the top four teams and finishing it last year. I mean, you have Courtney Williams left uh, Connecticut right. She's in Atlanta, have, yeah. Angel of Country now in Vegas, right? And our very own Christy Tolliver is back. Okay. I'm so excited about that. I love Christy. Um are going to Connecticut. So yeah. much going on. How, how how do you think that's gonna uh, how do you think that's gonna help people see the league that, that
2: offseason? You don't want to be yeah, I'll start one I really to weigh in, I'll just start by our goal at the league level is obviously to drive more fans into seats drive more media coverage, drive more highlights, but to build rivalries and household names of these elite players. And the way you do that is you have an interesting free agency system, and trading situation, you're building some super teams now, which I think is a good thing. Um, I was recently quoted in the press, I guess, at NBA All-Star saying, You know, free agency period has exceeded my expectations, and it certainly has. There was a lot of buzz for those first couple weeks. It slowed down a little bit, although I think a trade was just announced today, another trade. But you know, it's just the real strategy going on here between the general managers and the basketball ops people, and it's there's really a lot of thought going into it. We need to build big rivalries, build household names. These players deserve it, and that's that's what I think we're aiming for. So
4: I think. This is a beautiful sign of the times, meaning your girl right here is a product of, well, I do not call free agency, but uh, <laughs> movement, <laughs> like a movement. And that probably was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, just fight for myself and fight for my career. I've never in my life ever thought I'd be in a position where I like would purposefully disappoint people. And that was sort of my experience, knowing that I was fighting for my career on and off the court. And that was a challenge. My friend Liz Cambage went through the same thing, fighting for herself. And so to me, sitting back a year later and seeing how much progress we made in 365 days, And how there's buzz, there's excitement, there's player determination, there's super teams, there's... Like, if you look at every transaction, you can see why it's happening from the player perspective. And then you can also see why it's helping the team they're on. Like, for instance, a Bonner to Connecticut. That makes sense. Uh, Rachel Bannon to Minnesota, from Minnesota. Mo Borsi, Minnesota, whatever. That makes sense. Skylar Diggins to Phoenix. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like... This is the way the business of basketball at the highest level the NBA operates. Like they make moves for their teams, you know, and players have a role in apartment. And now I think instead of it being questioned or negative energy or whatever, it's all positive. And that's a sign of a healthy business. And that's why you see it flourishing right now. And I think it'll continue. Like to me, I was like, wow, like people really didn't understand what I was doing. People still, I mean, I'll go back to Kennedy let's keep it warm. You're right. You're right. You're right. the energy's a little sus but now it's like the energy is right because the business is in the right direction and it all makes sense it started I guess you know, with the CBA so the state of the union the state of the WBA the state of basketball to me is healthy and like just in my personal vantage point it's been a really beautiful thing to see and as it pertains to KT baby
0: yes. I am
4: so excited Christy's back um, because me, my like, I am so young and fortunate to have done a lot on and off the court, but the only thing I haven't done is win a championship. I want to to high school, but like <laughs> at the professional level, that's what I want, and that's why I wanted to be here. I wanted to be surrounded by champions, my sister Candice, and now KT, and I just in Chelsea, like that's four right there, like, and so. I think you see a lot of players with that same mindset. Skylar going to Phoenix, Diana Taurasi, Brittany Granick. You know, Bonner being a part of that. Now going to Connecticut was one game away from a chance. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I explained it. I'm here. Um, but to me, it's like a beautiful thing. And I'm not going to lie, I know she can't flex, can't but we have it. We really do have it in LA. And to be right here and be full and present knowing that the league is all, there are a lot of players that feel the same way, or oh, we have it. that should only up our game even more. And so, free agency has been that handsome. It has exceeded all expectations. <laughs> and when you see fans who are saying,
2: like, I can't wait for the season to start. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is what we want. We want fandom. We want more fans. um we, we need to um, look at all the media platforms that which we're offered. And, again, innovate around the game from that perspective. And don't forget, we also have a really exciting WNBA draft coming up in April. Oh yeah. Uh, And so we're excited about that as well. I just want to
3: switch gears real quick and talk a little bit about media. Um, Talk a little bit about how you got into it. Talk about uh, opportunities for women in sports media and, uh, where we need to go as far as, uh, women being, women's sports being covered.
4: You know, coming from Nigeria, our family, you know, deals with the patriarchal nature of society from Africa, all the stigmas and stereotypes. And then we're in America, we're young girls in America, first generation born and raised in the US. And my dad never looked to us and thought we were less than. If you know Africa, you know that they expect you to have sons. He has four daughters and he's never questioned having four daughters. He raised us to be confident and to push boundaries. And so, no matter what I did, obviously as, I did as well as I, you know, I had to make sure my homework was done. I said yes to every opportunity because I felt grateful because I knew, you know, I'd go back every year home and see kids that literally did not have the opportunities I had that were that could be me, you know. So over my lifetime, whatever 27 years, I'd say yes to everything, and by saying yes to everything, it manifested into yes, I'll go to ESPN. Yes, I'll go on the first take. Yes, I'll work for women's college basketball. Yes, I'll work for the Packers Network. Yes, I'll work for uninterrupted. I would say yes, 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 not knowing what this would happen. Yes, I'll work hard. I'll try to put myself in position to be drafted and get to the Connecticut sun. And then all of a sudden, this manifested into being a anchor on Sports Center Africa where I'm the living embodiment of defeating stereotypes the same way my parents intended. You know Woo-hoo! what I mean? So, that's a cool girl crazy thing. So, to this day, I have an F.J. analyst. I do stuff like it's fine. But like that role for Sports Center Africa gave me the silent reps in the industry where you can make mistakes without people in the U.S. seeing. And um, it got me the opportunity to now be in house at ESPN part time, where they see me like, you know, I do my things. Like when it'd be an NBA topic, I'd be like, yeah, I go in on my NBA topic, my WBA topic, and then all of a sudden those clips would be seen by the people at ESPN on the we call domestic shows, the ones you see here. And like, oh, let's put it online. So a lot of my clips started going on the apps. And they're like, Shane, you care about the NBA? You should be go on. I remember it was like December 28th or something like that can you go on and, and break down and be an analyst on sports? Center. I was nervous. <laughs> I was scared. I didn't think I should do it. Like, they only had call-famers doing that, you know? And so, obviously got the nudge and went and did it. I was over and she was great. Thank, Thank you. Great. Thank Thank you. <laughs> that. But this is,
2: I mean, this is so important to have a role model like today on broadcast, on media, so that young yeah. girls who are watching can see and be... Her someday, and we've got Candace on Turner, and now we have uh, a lot of former WNBA players, and one current one coaching. We might have the first woman in the history of NBA coaches, who was a former WNBA player. i um, we're so proud of today and, and Candice, and, and but
4: it's important to have that that representation. That. But now, what do we do with that recognition? The NBA has bet on women, that was our mantra. They have invested in women. We have the best commissioner ever. We have the first commissioner ever. Like, it's the world outside that has to meet us there. We're close, so anyone creatively that can help do that part, like that's, that's the energy we need. So
2: as we innovate around the game, you know, getting broader coverage, getting more uh, media getting more games on so find having them that people can fans can find them Getting more fans in the seat. We're working on a whole thing at the league level on the fan experience and fan engagement to make Your for those that are fans. Hopefully all of you are in this room will have a better experience coming into a WMBA game as part of the transformation I talked about this holistic transformation sales and marketing fan engagement and financial <coughs> success, we
1: need all three to drive this to the next level. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Believe in Sparks. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Find out more about us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Also, make sure you keep up with all the news and notes going on with Sydney and myself at Twitter and Instagram at SwissBaby24, and I'm at Stacy Pates. And if you'd like to be an advertiser on our show, we would love to have you. Contact Believe.com
0: for more information. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.